The New York Mets cannot miss this opportunity. They have to trade for Juan Soto this offseason. I'll explain why on today's show. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Another Juan Soto show. I want to discuss him today because the history is scaring me. The Mets can't let this happen twice. They missed out on the opportunity to sign Bryce Harper. They can't miss out on the chance to lock in Juan Soto at this age. We'll go through that comparison in the first segment. In the second segment, I'll detail how far I would go to even overpay on prospects to get Juan Soto this offseason. Then in the final segment, I'll explain why I would overpay, talk about the roster fit, and why this is a move the Mets need to be all in on. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Ficklestein Ryan. You'll also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now, we have to go back to the Juan Soto conversation as it relates to the New York Mets because it hit me. The Mets can't miss this opportunity. This is Bryce Harper all over again. And with the fact that Juan Soto is going to get traded and the teams that are interested in Juan Soto, we've seen the Yankees floated. We've seen the Cubs floated. This is the time to get him because if one of those other teams gets him, you might not ever get an opportunity again. And when you look back at the Bryce Harper free agency when he was just there for the taking unfortunately for steve cohen he didn't own the team yet it was the will ponds and they were never going to commit that much money and they didn't do it because they already had a yoenis cespedes on the payroll so couldn't possibly have two outfielders make it north of 25 million and so they watched as bryce harper signed with the phillies and the reason why that was one of the bigger mistakes this franchise has made over the last decade is because the chance to get these guys at this age under those contracts just doesn't happen. Guys that debut as teenagers who are awesome just doesn't happen. Once in the generation talents, they don't happen. And I guess you could say, hey, Harper and Soto are in the same generation. But, uh, I mean, their careers were separated enough where we have been watching history repeat itself in some ways. Same franchise that was lucky enough to have both of them with Harper and Soto. They combined for one year in the Nationals outfield, and then the Nats felt good enough with Soto in place that they could let Harper walk, and they won a World Series without him because, in large part, of how awesome Juan Soto was that year. The reason why it was such a missed opportunity is because what we've seen from Bryce Harper the last couple of years, that could have happened in a Mets uniform if they – were owned by a different guy at the time who could commit that level of money. And the the thing about 
these guys under these contracts is because it is the perfect confluence of extreme talent and experience. With Bryce Harper now, what you're watching is a guy that has completely figured it out and is still there enough physically at his age. But to have as many at-bats or plate appearances under your belt for a lot of these guys who debut at 24 years old, they get to the mental state that Harper's at when they're in their mid-30s. And that's where their bat slows down. Harper's bat hasn't slowed down, and mentally he is a vet with a decade of experience. And you have an opportunity to get one of those guys that will only get better with the bat. And it might not be statistically better over a full 162, but it's when you get into the pressurized situations, they can deliver. And that's what Harper's done the last couple of years. So what I did for the start of this show here to to sort of nail that point home is I looked at the first six seasons of Bryce Harper to put up against the first six seasons of Juan Soto's career. Batting average, they're nearly the same. 285 for Harper, 284 for Soto. On base percentage, Soto has it, 421 to Harper at 386. Slug, 515 Harper, 524 Soto. So he's better in on base and slug. That means he's better in OPS. You look at way to runs created plus. That measures hitters on a league average of 100. Bryce Harper has a 141 WRC, or had, excuse me, a 141 WRC plus in the first six seasons of his career. Juan Soto has a 155 career WRC plus. He has been better than Bryce Harper. 160 home runs compared to 150 for Soto. 483 RBIs to 421. Again, favor of Soto. 28.4 F4, which is wins above replacement, compared to 26.3 for Harper. Two wins better. Now, the funny thing is, Soto had a 60-game season mixed in for his six-year sample. Harper did not, and yet he played more games, more durable. 779 games played compared to Harper at 768. Walk rate, 13.9%. Harper, 19%. Soto strikeout rate, 20.4% for Harper, 17.1% for Juan Soto. Juan Soto is the better hitter. Now, Harper was the better defensive player at the time. I will give you that, but... How much does defense really matter when the two seasons that the Phillies have had where they have made these runs in the playoffs, he's been a DH and a first baseman. Doesn't really mean much. Juan Soto is the guy to get. You need MVP caliber players to drive your team. In the regular season and the playoffs, look at the two teams in the World Series. Corbin Carroll for the Diamondbacks and Ketel Marte in the playoff run. Corey Seager for the Rangers. You need those guys. The regular season, the Dodgers had Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. The Braves had Ronald Acuna Jr. and Matt Olson. Those players move the needle. The Mets have one, Francisco Lindor. I am confident in that. But he brings so much of his value defensively. They need the offensive version of that. And a Juan Soto, Francisco Lindor team that's going to take you some places because you have one guy anchoring the defense, one guy anchoring the lineup. This is a can't-miss opportunity because the other team circling, if they get him, he might not get that chance. They might give him the contract that finally gets him to sign. Or they might have the edge when he does get to free agency. This is an opportunity the Mets can't waste, and that's why as negotiations might drive up the price tag on Soto to more than you want to spend for a rental, 
you must acknowledge that Steve Cohen's limitless pocketbook should keep Juan Soto in a Mets uniform if you trade for him, just like they did with Lindor. And it's a opportunity that you just have to jump on right now. I'll get into what that all-in type trade package could look like. How far can you push it before the Mets have to back off and say, okay, this is too much. We'll hope that he gets the free agency. I'll get to all that next. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers will get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options available, including the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. And you got so much to bet on right now between the NFL season, the NBA action picking up. Every night, there's something that you can tune into. There's some place where you can find some value at FanDuel. And again, new customers are going to get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That means you can place a $5 money line bet this weekend on the biggest you know, you know, favorite that you can find on the NFL slate, and you can get that $150 in bonus bets. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So how far should the Mets go to get Juan Soto this offseason? What is too much on the trade package? What's just right? If you go back and you listen to my episode, Grading the Mets Trade Assets, it was to pry myself to see how far I would go if I was the Mets GM. If I was David Stearns, the president of baseball operations, on the fourth age of power, what would I give up? The package starts with Luis and Helicuna or Ryan Clifford. That's where I start the package because those are two guys who are you know, top five. Clifford might be top six prospects in the Mets system. They have a men's upside that the Padres would be interested in. And I'm, if you go back to that last show where I was looking at uh, you know, grading out all the different trade assets, I made Jet Williams and Drew Gilbert untouchable. So pulling those guys back, these would be the two that I think the Padres would be most interested in in the Mets system. And I really think it'd be Acuna because remember the Padres aren't tanking. They're trying to repurpose the Juan Soto asset into longer term pieces that can play with their core of Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, uh, Jake Cronenworth with a ridiculously long contract, Fernando Tatis Jr. That, that's the long window they got to try to fit into. So Acuna makes sense because this is a team too in the Padres that rushes prospects. I wouldn't be surprised if Acuna gets to the big leagues even sooner than he would with the Mets, with the Padres. And because they have so many infielders, I imagine they try his athleticism out in center field. That's what I would think could happen. All right, so where do you go from there? What other pieces can you throw into sweeten the deal? Because if I'm the Mets, despite the fact there's a lot of teams potentially bidding, I'm apprehensive to go much beyond that. I'm willing to give other pieces. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking to AJ Pro and say, okay, what do you need for your roster next year? We'll, we'll, we'll solve multiple needs on what you're trying to replace. 
what do they have a lot that's going to be going out in free agency? What what are they losing a lot of? So I'm trying to say a lot of pitching. They're losing Blake Snell, Josh Hader, probably Michael Walker and Seth Lugo, who are key pieces in their rotation. A lot of pitching walking out the door. Now, I'm not thinking that the Mets are going to trade the Med with Diaz. I don't know if they would even absorb that salary because they're in the business right now trying to get cheaper as well. David Peterson, Tyler McGill, Jose Budo. Are they interested in any of those guys as back-end arms? Now, these guys aren't going to move the needle in the trade. But for this particular team that is going for it, is there a starting pitcher that's a depth arm for the Mets that the Padres would like that has control? I think that'd be the big thing. And I'd imagine it'd be David Peterson, right? If they saw something in Peterson that, hey, they're going to be able to turn him into a different pitcher. They're going to be able to unlock him. He's going to be able to compete the back end of the rotation with all those guys leaving. Maybe that's intriguing to them. Maybe it's Budo. Maybe it's Mike Vassell in AAA for the Mets. But I think an arm might go out too. Now you're already trading a lot because Acuna is a lot. I mean, that's a tier one for a tier one if you're looking at the, the grades you would give them. Now the difference is, no, Juan Soto is at the top of that tier, but it's a rental. It's a one-year guy. Acuna's full control. I don't think that if you just, you know, put a like a, a non-biased arbiter in it, if they wouldn't necessarily grade those guys close to the same value. The problem is there's other teams that might be in the Soto sweepstakes that are going to drive up the price. So having to include an arm with Acuna makes sense to me. Does that get the deal done alone? Does David Peterson swing? swing the, the tides and suddenly the Mets get him over the Yankees? No. But I think Acuna might be the best prospect that they have on the board or another team might match that. Peterson is just a nice piece that sweetens it. But the question then becomes, who is that other piece? How far do you go on that second prospect? If you're the Mets, you say, hey, one of Mark Vientos lately used would make some sense, honestly. They were trying to find a, a DH this year as much as the Mets were. Cycling through guys. They tried the DH platoon thing. Didn't work. Do they look at Mark Fiantos with years of control and the upside that he has, and they think that's that's a guy. That's a bat. We can plug him in. He can play next year. They'd be getting three playable pieces for their roster next season for one. I don't know what they want Mark Fiantos, though. So the question is, how far would you go with those other you know, tier three to tier two type assets that you have? What other bat opens the door? Would you trade Kevin Parada? It's a lot. It's a lot to give up. Acuna and Parada. You might just say, stop it there. Acuna Parada for, for Soto. Maybe that is enough. I think I'd probably still do that deal because it's under the assumption that you can lock Soto up to the contract, which is, the elephant in the room is if you trade all of this and Soto walks after a year, it's going to look pretty bad. But I'm confident in the fact that, for one, there's always been sort of an uh, idea that maybe Soto would prefer to be back on the East Coast. There was also kind of some linking between him and the Mets in the past and just that thought process of, hey, if the highest bidder is going to get him. I think the Mets will be the highest bidder. So with that comfort that I have that he's going to be there long term, yeah, I'd be open to trading Acuna, Parada, and Peterson, quite honestly. I'd get that far down the line because the more I think about it, the more I realize that if you have Juan Soto on your team, 
you're going places. Maybe that other player is Ronnie Mauricio instead of Mark Vianto Superata. It's a lot of names you can cycle in. If I am the Mets president of baseball operations, if I'm David Stearns, and I can get Juan Soto while keeping Jet Williams and Drew Gilbert and not having to include both Acuna and Ryan Clifford, there's a lot of trades that I would be considering and some deep thought with my team in that front office to, to see what's best. The package I would like to see get Juan Soto to give you two here. Package I'd like to see is Acuna, Vientos, and Peterson. Vientos and Peterson could help the Padres, absolutely, but they're pieces that don't hurt to give up. Let's just be honest, and that's why those trades probably don't happen. But the Acuna piece hurts a lot, and that's why it, it should be enough, hypothetically. If the bidding war rages on, gets to that point, I think I'd be comfortable giving up an arm if it is Peterson or somebody else, along with Acuna and Parada, Acuna, Mauricio, I think I'd be open to those discussions because that's how incredible of a talent this guy is. In down seasons for Soto, he's putting up a 400 on base percentage. And what that does for your roster and your lineup is just ridiculous. And that's what I want to close the show with. If they pull this thing off, if they got a trade done, how would the roster fit? How much improved are the Mets to be contenders in 2024? We'll get to all of that next. First, another word from our sponsors. All right, so let's look at the roster fit. Juan Soto's on the New York Mets. How do all the pieces come together? We'll just go position by position. You still got Alvarez at catcher. Gunner Vise is the backup. You got Alonso at first base. Uh, if Vientos isn't traded, he's the backup. You got McNeil potentially at second or Ronnie Mauricio, assuming you know, Mauricio is not in that deal. Lindor at shortstop. Beatty likely at third. With Mauricio being an option there as well. An outfield of Marte, Nimmo, and Soto. Maybe a still tender DJ Stewart a contract. So that gives you another potential bat that can go out there. Maybe you don't. Maybe you non-tender him in that scenario. Uh, and you look for someone who's a better fourth outfielder, like an Adam Duvall. And now you have you know Duvall, Soto, Marte, Nimmo. One of those guys can DH at all times, honestly, if you need them to. And you'd have good defense with Nimmo and Duvall and Marte to some extent. Soto, the defense is not great. But you can stick him out in left field and he can be durable out there. It's the good thing. It's not like you have to DH him. I think the best version of the Mets, if Juan Soto's on the team long-term, yeah, he's probably your DH. And you probably have a lot of these speedsters with Jet Williams, with Drew Gilbert, with, I mean, I'd imagine Acuna goes in this deal, so not him. But you know, you'd have those type of guys who are patrolling the outfield and allowing Soto to be a DH more often than not. But again, having the ability to play the position it's better than Shohei Otani in that respect of him not you know, just being a DH only. If he pitches, different conversation. But hey, I had it. You can go back and find the Juan Soto or Shohei Otani episode where I broke that whole thing down. The DH. If you don't trade Mark Vientos, he could be your DH. Or again, Juan Soto, I think you, you have 
uh, a complement in that outfield where you maybe bring in someone that you know can sort of share duties, maybe a little bit better defensively to push them to the DH. But there's a lot that you can do with that spot, knowing that you could always plug Soto there and have just an absolutely amazing hitter. And then you look at you know what you'd have to do to kind of build out the team. And let's just say you get Duvall or Michael Taylor. I think you'd want to prioritize some more defense in that outfield. But eventually you get to a point where your starting lineup looks something like Brandon Nimmo, leadoff, maybe Lindor, second, Soto, third, Alonzo, fourth, McNeil, fifth. Assuming that is that one of the young kids doesn't establish himself as a real threat. So maybe eventually it is Alvarez fifth. Or maybe Brett Beatty completely turns things around to an exponential level and ends up back in that five hole or Ronnie Mauricio, but there's options there. And then you sort of round out the team again. You know, if McNeil somewhere in the top five, let's say Alvarez is six Beatty or Mauricio seven, or maybe both of them in the lineup at seven, eight at third base and second base, potentially, maybe that is the move. Maybe Jeff McNeil is a left fielder. You got McNeil on left, Nemo in center, Marte and right Soto at DH. Mauricio at second, Beatty at third. Vientos is a bat off the bench if you didn't deal him. I mean, that team is pretty damn good, if you ask me. And Juan Soto is the one bat that you can get this offseason where I might actually buy in on the Mets being a contender in the NL East and a contender for the World Series. I, I think there's every chance that this offseason passes where they don't get that incredible bat, and they really do rely on the young kids. And maybe between the ones that were going into year two and those guys who were in double A, maybe the Mets roster surprises and arrives early. Like we've seen so many teams do this year, like the two in the world series that could absolutely happen, but you're not going in on opening day and thinking that the team has a chance to win the world series necessarily. If the off season moves are, you know, Harrison Bader and Giovanni Ursula, which would not be a bad off season to compliment the youth. But that's where I'm at with this thing. The more and more time I spend on it, and we've had a lot of time to spend on it because the New York Mets were eliminated in August, and we've been just been sitting waiting to see what's going to happen next for you know, whatever it is. Uh, August, September, October. Now we're into November. Now we're coming up on four months sooner than you'd think of waiting to see what's going to happen. And it's exciting to know David Stearns is in here making moves. It's exciting that you get a fresh offseason where the Mets are going to have all the opportunities at their disposal to improve. And a lot of them are intriguing. I, I've called Yoshinobu Yamamoto the top priority this offseason in many podcasts. And in some respects, I still feel like that. But I think it's a top priority A and a top priority B. And I don't know which one's more important than the other. If I'm really thinking about the long-term vision for this franchise, I don't know if there's anything more important than getting Juan Soto. Because that would become your identity as a ball club. It is Juan Soto's New York Mets, just like they became you know, Bryce Harper's Philadelphia Phillies or Mookie Betts' Los Angeles Dodgers. Those type of talents who are contenders for an MVP every season, whether they win them or not, when those talents arrive at a new team, it changes things. And unless they sign Shohei Otani this offseason, which is a conversation for another day, there's just no one available, I think, on the trade market or for agency that is that type of star. And when you look ahead to 
upcoming free agent periods, I still don't see that player. I mean, does Boba Shedder, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. excite you? I mean, maybe. But a lot of these guys who are that type of talent, the Julio Rodriguez is, the Corbin Carrolls, a lot of these guys now, once they show it an inkling at the big league level, teams are just opening the checkbook, giving them the decade-long contract and say, hey, you are our franchise player. We are not letting you walk out the door in six years. We will sign you. You will have guaranteed money right now. Don't worry about free agency. Don't worry about arbitration. Don't worry about your pre-arb years. You're our guy. That's what we've seen. That's the trend. And so less and less of these guys are going to hit the market. That's the other aspect to this. You don't know how many more cracks you're going to have to get a guy like this. And it's too parallel to the Lindor situation, which some Mets fans don't agree. That trade worked out incredibly well for the Mets. He has been exactly what you paid for. Exactly. And you're not regretting that package you gave up at all. I think Soto probably costs more, but you never know. And that's only because I think there's more teams that might be on it. But then as the market materializes, maybe I completely overshot it on value. Maybe Acuna alone gets the deal done, or maybe you can headline a package over a guy that's not as um, you know, talented as Acuna. But the reason why I put all of that on the table in this episode and showed what the all-in sort of overpay is to get him is because I don't think there is an overpay to get him. I think if you get Juan Soto on your team in 2024 and you have the comfort of knowing that Steve Cohen's going to pay the man, and he's going to be on your team not only in 2024, but also in 2034. You think about the next decade of Mets baseball with Lindor anchoring that defense and Soto headlining that offense. I just don't think there is a better fit for this roster long term. The, the more and more I spend on it, the more time that I have just you know, been thinking about what it would take and what other options they have, I just... I keep coming back to this. Just like when he was on the trade market in 2022, I was all in on it. You just don't get that many cracks at it. And they already struck out once at that deadline when they decided not to go all in for him. The Padres did. Strike out again here. I don't know if you're going to get that third crack. That's why you just do whatever you can to get the deal done. David Stearns, I'm talking to you. Get the deal done. Steve Cohen, open the pocketbook. Get the subsequent deal done. I hope Juan Soto's a Matt. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. If you want to become a Locked on Mets insider, you can find a link in the episode description. I'll talk to you all day about Juan Soto. I love it. It's a text message service, one-on-one communication that you can have with me. You also get the text updates I send out to all the Locked on Mets insiders who have probably gotten some of this. Uh, before you guys, because I often, when I'm planning for shows ahead, I'll give a little tidbit to the Locked Up Mets Insider. So uh, I, I definitely encourage you all to check that out. Again, find the link in the episode description. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm trying to make a push to 10,000 subs on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button if you're watching there. Again, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan and follow the show at Locked On Mets. <laughs>